being raised religious will play a huge role in your childhood upbringing. But as an adult who can make their own choices, you get to decide if that's what works for you. And if it works for you, it works for you. And if it doesn't, make the choice that's best for you. You're listening to the Had to Be Said podcast, the podcast to help you put you first. Join me on this journey of self-love and self-improvement as we navigate and learn to balance different areas of our lives as first-gen. I'm your host, Agustina Lopez, a first-gen Mexicana-Americana, mom, big sister, and Bay Area foodie. I've been on the long road to learn to love myself, and want to inspire you to do the same. It's not easy, but it's so worth it. If you like this episode, help support this podcast by rating it, sharing it with your friends, and subscribing and following. After you're done listening to this episode, go tag us on all our social media, on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, whatever your favorite social media is, go tag us. Welcome back to this episode of It Had To Be Said Podcast. Many things impact our childhood experiences, including the choices our parents make in the way we are raised. While as a child, you may not play an active role in your parents' choice of religion, its impact can have a lifelong effect. Let's talk about it. If you flip through a family album, you'll find many photos of my sisters and I all dressed up as Jehovah Witness, or as I will reference them on this episode, JW Events. When my parents were both together, they were both devoted to the church and attended all their sessions and events together. I've always been curious how the JW came to be a part of my father's life. And when I finally asked my father, he shared they came knocking one morning to spread the word of God. They were quick to tell my father he was living a sinful life with my mother because they weren't married and already had a child, aka me. My father would go on to begin attending meetings at their kingdom hall, which is the same thing as a church in other religions. My father shortly after married my mother, and they created a life together inside the culture, value, and beliefs of the religion. My father's religious preference played an incredibly important role in his life, and it would also play a role in ours. But Agustina, what does it mean to be a child of a JW follower? To be the child of a devoted JW follower means that you did not lead a quote-unquote normal childhood upbringing. You would have to abide by all the church rules even if you were not baptized. Or else you would bring shame to your parents and you would have to meet with the elders, aka the people in charge of the church in your location, to discuss what was going on. As a young child, you were not permitted to celebrate holidays or birthdays. You were not permitted to associate with anyone outside of the church. People that were outside of the church were referenced as worldly people. You were not permitted to pledge allegiance to the flag. You were not permitted to take part in any school holiday events. As a young adult seeking out higher education, that was frowned upon, as you were supposed to dedicate all your free time to serving God. 
You were not allowed to date or marry worldly people. You were not permitted to drink. Not permitted to look up to celebrities or athletes. Social media was frowned upon. And in the event of a life or death situation, you were not permitted to accept blood transfusions, among many other things. As a young child, it was so difficult for me to fit in. All the kids had both parents showing up for them at school. And now add on all these restrictions put in place by the church that our father was very strict following. My father would come to our school to let the office or the teachers know that we were JW and that he did not want his children participating in any holiday events. I dreaded all the holidays. And some of the ones that stood out the most were Valentine's Day and Halloween. We were not allowed to receive any Valentine's Day cards. We were not allowed to bring home Halloween goodie bags. And it sucks because back in the day, things at school were not as regulated as they are now. Like you literally would get a bag full of candy that you would be able to bring back home and enjoy. But we weren't allowed to take part in that. And as a kid, it was hard to not be a part of that. It was hard to put it together and understand why you couldn't be a part of that. As a young kid, all you want to do is fit in. And this was just making you feel more excluded. So when these holiday events would happen at school, we would be taken to another classroom to take part in another activity, do something that was not holiday related. I hated it. And it always makes me sad as an adult when I see kids in different classrooms during holidays doing other activities because it triggers all the emotions I felt as a student sitting there not being part of the rest of the class. And being excluded due to religious reasons didn't help. It made it harder. JWs are not allowed to celebrate birthdays, not even their own, not at school or at home. The first time I celebrated my birthday was when I was 15. One of my tias, who wasn't in the religion at that time, brought home a cake from Safeway, sang me happy birthday, and I bawled out. I was hella crying because it had been the first time I had ever celebrated my birthday. 15 years of not celebrating it, not cutting cake, all of that stuff is all symbolic. But when you have never experienced it, and then to experience it at the age of 15, it was such a big deal to me. And I felt so emotional. And every time I think about it, it was such a small gesture for that tia to do that. But to me, it meant the world because I wasn't allowed to take part in that. JWs are not permitted to associate with worldly people. And that made it difficult to have friends outside of the religion. It made it difficult to have people come over to the house, to come play, to go out to a movie or dinner or, or a theme park. Um, essentially, you're very much limited to the church people or your own family to do these things. And that socialization part of it is not talked about enough, like having to just socialize with a bunch of adults and maybe their children if they want to talk to you or play with you, even though you're in the same religion, practicing the same things, you know, it, it's difficult. And it's so socialization with people your age is so important during those years because it teaches you how to navigate friendships. It teaches you how to navigate relationships and being limited to just the people in your church makes it difficult for you to bloom in that socialization uh, space and area. I can't recall 
times when my dad would be like, yeah, you can go out with your friend who's not in the church to a movie to like, I was even scared to ask, like it was going to be like a definite no, because they're not from the church. You know, you can't be hanging out with them. When I became a sophomore, junior, and I started to discuss higher education and how I was going to pursue my bachelor's and, you know, go to college. You're supposed to spend all the time after getting out of high school um, to the church. And so it's basically you you're following the church's rules. You're going to work because you need to provide for your family. And then after you get off of work, you're supposed to go to all those church um, events and everything that's going on. And then on the weekends, you're supposed to go out and knock at people's doors, spread spread the word of God according to them. And so there was no space for higher education. There was no space to seek out different ways of living, different ways of growing. It was just the church. So the church revolved around your whole life. And that's what took precedence over your life. There was no no space for anything else. There was a lot of people who didn't believe in me within the church, which is sad because you would want that community that you're so actively involved in to support you. But that wasn't the case. And that was OK because their support was not needed in the end. In the event of a traumatic event, there, uh, the JWs require that a witness or a bystander witness that traumatic event in order for the event to have happened or to be valid. If there was a witness, this would be brought up to the elders and they would handle all things within the church using the Bible as their guide. And it didn't matter if the traumatic event called for intervention from police or outside forces. They took care of everything within their church and they disciplined based on using the Bible as their guide. The discipline also only was for people who were baptized. So people who were baptized into the religion were held to a higher standard and there was no space for any discrepancies. So if something happened where they're getting disciplined and it's serious enough for them to get excommunicated from the church, essentially what happens is the church separates itself from you. And so you're still responsible to attend church there's a back room where you would sit and you would you're supposed to come in five to 10 minutes later after the church has already started their program. So there was specific protocol for everything. Whatever events led you to be disciplined for that, you would have to continue to play an active role in the religion. But nobody was to say hello to you. Nobody was to notice you. And so essentially what the religion was doing there was shunning people. And so you were there, but you were not really there because nobody was coming up to you to shake your hand, greet you, welcome you here. It was like you're on discipline mode. You're sitting in the back, you're listening. And then right before it all ends, you were right before maybe like five to 10 minutes before the program ends, you were to leave already. So essentially you're playing an active role. They're seeing you there, but you're not, you're not being validated. You're just kind of there. And so the way that people are disciplined in the church is is very serious. The religion works off a lot off of, we saw it happen a lot, and you would know who was in that position because you look in the back, and if you came late, you would be seated with them. And so that's, the, you know, that was a way of controlling how the population acted and really showing firsthand what were the repercussions and the discipline 
of not listening to what you were supposed to be listening to as a baptized individual of the church. If you were not following the rules of the JW church, you were brought into the cuartito, which is the room in the back where people who were disciplined were seated at. And you sat there with the elders and you talked about what was going on and how you were going to change. And essentially the role of the elders is is uh, essentially shaming you for your actions. You know, shame and shunning is the way of controlling people, and they were very good at it. I was raised in the JW religion since I was a baby. You know, I've seen the culture of the church from a young age to young adulthood. The church definitely runs on a hierarchy. So the elders that are at the very top, they are the ones who run everything for that specific church location. They're the ones responsible to discipline. They're the ones who are responsible for promoting different JW members to different tasks around uh, the religion. The elders are the ones at the top. Then they have their families, uh, the wives and the children. And then everybody else is at the bottom. The elders have access to all the young children, all the young adults, um, when they go preaching, when they go out. Parents just trust the elders that they know what they're doing and there's no questioning of them. They are these people who are seasoned veterans, essentially, in the religion. And so they are trusted. They are believed in um, whatever discipline that they feel is uh, necessary for that specific violation or whatever is what is followed. And so people just go in listening to these people. The church takes up a lot of your time. So when we were young, when we were children, we were going to church two weekdays and then Saturday mornings, we were up early with my father going out preaching, knocking door to door. And then Sundays we were in church for, for about two and a half hours. So essentially four days out of the week, church was taking control of our schedule. Um, and it wasn't like 30 minute sessions on the weekdays. It was like about we would get in at 7, we'd be out by like 9.15 p.m. You still got to go home. If you didn't have dinner, you got to have a late dinner and then prep for, you know, your next school day. On Saturday mornings, there was no sleeping in. You were getting up at 7, 6 to get ready to go preaching and knocking on people's doors. And then Sunday, if you were lucky, you know, you had church at 9, you had church at 1. And if you had it at 3, that was kind of like the late one. So you were essentially just going home to have dinner prep for school and you know it was the next week church was life it, it was such a there was so much time being devoted to it and then any free time that you had in all of that was devoted to the church so if you had an extra day to go preaching and knocking door to door that's what you would do it's, uh, to me it's like mind-boggling because you know my father worked two jobs so he on the the days that he didn't work the night shift he was in church. There was nothing else but to go to church. And so he would get off at like five, six, and then we're rushing to have some sort of snack or dinner and then getting to church at like seven. And then it was kind of like just that routine and it never changed for us. It was the same thing for many, many, many years. Uh, on those Saturday mornings when we would have to get up to um, be paired with like a, a more seasoned uh, JW member, you would go out and knock door to door and preach the JW beliefs. And as 
we got older, we were responsible to preach our own portion to have it prepared. That's kind of what you did Saturday mornings. There was no like going to do like soccer or some sort of sport or going out to do a family activity. It was just church, church, church all the time. Within the church, you were expected to dress modestly. Nothing could be showing. Nothing could be too tight. It couldn't be too short for the ladies. Men were expected to dress a certain type of way, suit and tie, um, very clean, that's kind of the way that things were run as far as their dress code. You know, you come into the church, you walk in, you're expected to say hello to every single person before you go sit down. And I think this is where that, uh, this is where I learned like handshaking. And if you were a woman, you would handshake and kiss on the side of the cheek. And so that's just kind of been how things were done. There was no body autonomy. There was no like, you know, I don't want to kiss you. I don't want to shake your hand. It was seen as rude. And so that's another thing that from a young age, children are already taught to shake hands. And if you're a girl and you're shaking the hand of a woman, you're expected to kiss them on the side of the cheek. Um, and so that that boundary is being blurred without anybody even thinking uh, thinking about it. Our family was already being excluded because at the time when I started to realize these things, I was still a young child. My father was a single dad taking care of three girls. And in the religion, divorce is frowned upon. You know, the expectation is that married couples are expected to work out their differences and carry on their marriages to the end. And so because that didn't happen here, our family was just kind of seen like black sheep. Even though at that point in time, us as children hadn't done anything to put us in that category. I think many people saw us as orphans because we didn't have a mother and we were all three girls. And it was tough because every other family that walked inside those church doors, there was a mother, there was a father, and there was siblings. And of course, you would have... Uh, wives who had husbands who were not part of the JW religion, but you would see them at every church session. They would not miss a church session. If they were uh, young mothers with children, their children were right there with them. Divorce wasn't really a thing back then. If the, if the church people ever come out and say, you know, we, we never treated you differently. Yes. Yes, you did. Um, we were three girls with one father, no mother. You know, the other mothers who had sons would keep their sons away from us because we were seen as black sheep. Um, and that only got more aggressive as we got older. You weren't just surrounded by adults. You know, these adults had children and a lot of them were our age. But even within uh, having all these young people, everybody was in their little groups. And if you weren't part of that group, they didn't want you there. That in and of itself created exclusion we all ended up going to the same school so we would see each other. You don't have an option but to follow your parents' choice of religion and beliefs. But as you become an adult and it's harder to control the way you feel, the way you think, the way you act, many of the young people in the church ended up living a double life. You know, I was around a lot of the a lot of the people who went to the same church as me. You are one way in front of your parents in church and someone else at school and outside of church. So in order to do that, I just learned how to be sneaky about the things I did and said. 
what that created was an environment where children were learning to be um, sneaky. We're learning how to act sneaky, to hide things, to do things differently outside of the church. And that's honestly like the most dangerous thing uh, young adults can be is sneaky, where they can't be their truest, most authentic self in, uh, in front of their parents. And and in this case, because of religion and practices and beliefs. My time in the religion, we were always seen as black sheep. First, because we didn't have a mother. And second, because we grew up and again, we were, we had a double life and it's not that hard to hide that. I mean, it's, it's, it was there, you know, I went to school with these kids. Some of these kids, you know, stayed on course and, you know, remained religious and kept doing their thing. Uh, but other people had double lives. And so, you know, there was a lot of gossip. The moms of, you know, these kids would just snicker and, and gossip and shake their heads. And, you know, the crazy thing was that sometimes their own children were behaving worse than we were. Like I can openly state I had a double life. I wanted to fit in and I was going to do what I wanted to do so I could be part of everybody else and just like everybody else. But not everybody else could be that honest with themselves. So the cover up was hardcore. To me, it was mind boggling how these moms and sometimes even dads could judge other kids, but they would talk so highly of their own that they followed the JW beliefs, that they were so good. And to me, I was just like, and over time, a lot of these parents ended up seeing their children for who they really were outside of the religion. And, you know, for my father, it wasn't like big news. You know, I think that at some point he realized like my kids, you know, are going to do what they're going to do. And he realized like they're just becoming sneaky young adults and this isn't to their benefit. So he had a hard time accepting that. Um, because of all the restrictions, all of the things that you're not permitted to do, like things that are so fucking basic for everybody else, you're barely catching up after you're 18 years old because that's when you have the freedom to to start just separating yourself from the religion. And so I think that, you know, when I became an adult at 18, I finally started to think for myself, and see that the religion was not something for me. And, you know, I would keep attending church with my dad. But at some point in my early 20s, I definitely just separated myself from the JWs. I wanted nothing to do with them. I did not see any benefit being a part of it. I was not willing to put my child through that. I just, I didn't want that for my child. I wanted my child to be raised in this just very, you know, a free environment to pursue their own beliefs, their own way of thinking without having a religion trying to mold them to be what they want to be. For me, it was the best thing to do because I was not willing to live life um, by their terms. I was not willing to follow their beliefs, their values, uh, their restrictions. I did not want that for myself. And so when I finally decided to separate myself from them, um, my dad had a hard time with that. 
And, you know, it was a choice as an adult that I was making with full knowledge. Nobody was telling me do this or do that. I was choosing to separate myself from the JW religion. It made a positive impact to be out of that mindset. And I do feel like my life did change. It changed dramatically because at that point, at the age of 18, I was already pursuing higher education, something that was completely frowned upon in the religion. I made the choice to use all my free time to pursue that. I I started to live as crazy and as basic as that sounds. I started to live. I started going out. I was way past the age of 18 when I went to my first San Francisco Giants game because my dad would never permit it. But I was already an adult, so I could finally go, you know, going to the malls, going to the movies, it, all the things that people were doing in middle school and high school, I was doing at the at the age of over 18. And to me, it was just so new. It was so exciting. It was so nice. I couldn't understand why it was so limited just to control the way that you were thinking, the way that you felt, uh, so you weren't exposed to certain things. But the times change. And, um, you know, I, I had a chance to start celebrating my birthday, start celebrating Valentine's Day, start celebrating Halloween and Christmas and all that stuff. And while all of that, again, to me is very symbolic, not being permitted to do these things is what made it so special to be able to do these things. When you're coming from a place where you're not able to do these things and then you finally have the freedom to do these things, it's priceless. There's nothing that you could put in its place that could even quantify how incredibly freeing and important it is to have the freedom to do these things and not be guided by an outside force um, to think, act, and feel a certain way. With my father, I've had to set boundaries because I am not interested in learning anything about the religion. You know, I've been in the religion since I was a baby up until in my early 20s. So that's about two decades, a little bit over that I've been in the religion. So I'm very much aware of the religion. He is welcome to invite me to his events. But if I say no, it ends there and we don't discuss it anymore. If I ask about a topic that's religious, that's the only time that I want to talk about his viewpoint. So for my dad, I respect that he chose this religion and that these are his religious preferences. But I say his with a capital H-I-S. These are his beliefs. This is his religion. And my father, like anybody else, is allowed the freedom to pursue their own religion. But having been associated with and having been associated for and having been associated with this religion all these years, I have made the choice to not be associated. I no longer have anything to do with JWs. I'm not involved, but I've always seen myself as a very spiritual person. My experience being raised as a JW is my experience. You could ask another JW member and they could tell you the complete opposite. But this is my experience, what I went through, how I saw things, how things played out for me. Everybody has the freedom to pursue their own religion, their own beliefs. That's how it should be. For me, separating myself from the JW religion 
was the best thing to do for me and was the best thing to do for my future generations. If my children decide to pursue that in the future, that will be their choice, but it will not be something that I have embedded on them from the day they were born. And again, that's why it's very difficult because you don't get to make that active choice in your parents' religion until you become an adult and are able to exert your adult choices. And so I wasn't able to exert my choice until I was over 18. You know, it's the best thing that I have ever done for myself. And experiencing being a JW has been a roller coaster. It can be traumatizing. It can definitely change the way you see life. Being race religious will play a huge role in your childhood upbringing. But as an adult who can make their own choices, you get to decide if that's what works for you. And if it works for you, it works for you. And if it doesn't, make the choice that's best for you. Thank you again for joining It Had To Be Said podcast. I will see you bi-weekly on Mondays.